Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season two of the 100 Masked Men series where anonymously interview different men from all around the world about what masculinity means to them and how we put our self-worth in the hands of others. This month, we're taking a special focus on men's mental health. Sponsored by Tether, the world's first online peer-to-peer support community connecting men for open and honest conversations about life. This week, I'm highlighting the many different lives of Asian men. Masked man number 43 is the successful man. In his early 20s, he courageously walked out of a job at Amazon to start up his own venture, fail, and start again, and is now on his path to finding out what really matters to him. We talk a lot about the conventional idea of success, which includes money and power and access, but then when it comes to getting the approval, respect, recognition, being seen, why aren't these measurements of success? I'm so excited I actually finally got a chance to speak to the new generation of men, Gen Z. I hope you enjoy the show. I was born in China. I was born in Huntel, and my parents moved here. My mom moved here first, and then my dad and I came a couple months after. We moved for, because uh, my parents went to do their PhD at the University of Arkansas. So we moved to Arkansas, and they did their postdoc in Indiana. So we moved to Indiana. And then they both got professor jobs in, uh, in North Carolina. So we moved to North Carolina. And then I pretty much stayed in North Carolina for like my, uh, most of my life from, uh, you know, like age nine or something like that until, well, until pretty recently. And yeah, so I went, I grew up there, went to college there, and then I moved out to Seattle uh, in 2019 to work at Amazon. And last year I quit Amazon and I started my own startup, my first startup was a total failure. And then my second one has netted me some, uh, some profit. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where I am now. Cool. So, so both of your parents were kind of in, in academia, you'd say? Like, what were they studying? Cute story, kind of funny story. Um, so my mom really liked physics and my dad really liked chemistry, but they actually ended up, so my mom ended up doing chemistry in college and my dad ended up doing physics. And yes, they're both in academia. My mom works with like nanotechnology. And so like, and I I actually, so I was, when I was doing research as a junior, uh, after my junior year of college, I did some computer science research and I like looked up my parents on ResearchGate and I was like, wow, my mom's like a superstar. Cool. Yeah. Did you have any siblings growing up or were you just the only child? I was the only child until I was 12. Okay. So I have a little brother who's 12 years younger than me. Nice. Yeah pretty interesting (laughs) is that is that was that harder or easier for you to get along with someone with that kind of age gap I have no clue because I have not had to get along with anyone like (laughs) I know I don't have any siblings that are in a close age range I mean I I get along with my brother fine like I I don't know like I I don't really I don't really interact with him very often you know I, I call home like once a week while I'm here so I you know say hi to him about then uh, and I go home like twice a year. And those are about the only times I really see them. Uh, before that, you know, like when I was like a teenager, I was pretty, pretty kind of wrapped up in my own problems. Never really, didn't really talk to him too much. He was also like this like little baby at the time. So like, you know, what, what was I supposed to do? I would like poke his cheeks sometimes. And got <laughs> cheeks, so, and, uh, and then I went off to college and I would only, I, so I was actually, this was actually kind of interesting. So I went to college like pretty close to home. And so I would come home like every week or every other week. 
you know, to come and do my laundry to, cause the laundry machines at UNC sucked. Like I would have to run like two or three cycles to get my clothes dry. And I was like, nah, I, I, I ain't dealing with this. And so I was very glad that I was you know, close to home for that. So in college, you know, I only went home once a week and I didn't really see him too much either because, you know, I was only home on the weekends, but you know, I would try to say hi for a while. Like he would have to, he would like come, he would like come and like, uh, he would come to my room. This is, I don't know if this is high school or college, but he would like come to my room. I, I would be like, you know, I need you to get out of my room. And I would like pick him up and like move him, and, like oh my just, God. just put him outside the door. And then, and then I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. I don't really know uh, if I would have gotten along with him better or worse if he was near my age. I'm sure if he was near my age, we'd have actual fights, but you know, we don't, we don't have any actual fights because he's like literally 12 years younger. Also really nice that, you know, my, he took a lot of attention from my parents when I was in high school. So I could go out and, and do like things that you would want to do as a high schooler that strict Asian parents generally would not uh, approve of. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So you, you, <laughs> you said that you're, you're, you kind of researched your parents as you were doing some computer science stuff. So was your connection stronger with your mom than your dad? Like, what was your relationship with your parents? Yeah, I don't know, like, how common this is. I don't really have much of a relationship with either of my parents. Yeah, like, I, I call home every week, and I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, like, yeah, you know, I had a week, and they're like, yeah, cool, good, um, blah, blah, blah. My, oh, yes, okay, so, you know, when I was running my own company for a while, oh, so I recently did some, I recently did some job interviews, and I got some job offers, and so my parents are like very happy about that. And I, I'm actually not sure if I'm going to take any of them. So I'm, I'm sitting in a weird place right now. But, uh, you know, my parents kind of just asked me about what's going on with my life and stuff. And then that's about it. Like really don't have too much of a connection with either of my parents. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, do, do you talk to your parents? What do you talk to your parents about? So I didn't have a, a good relationship with my father at all. We were always like butting heads and it was really aggressive. But with my mom, she always tried to be my best friend. But then she was always just like, overprotective or overbearing mm. as a parent so I was like well if you want to be a friend you got to chill and act like a friend so <laughs> you got to make your decision here on what, what kind of thing you want to do because if you're gonna put on your mom pants and you got to be mom and do mom things and there's the separation of adult versus child right yeah okay yeah yeah so I I, I don't really have too much too much relationship with either of my parents the reason why I found out like when I was doing research about my parents I found out my mom's like a superstar I looked at so it's this thing called a research gate you can look up people's names you can see how many publications they have and you can see how many citations they have and you can see like some sort of score next to their name and so my mom's like I don't know how many publications there's hundreds of publications and like thousands of views and I was like I was like wow that's like mm. that's good and so like, I just like looked up some other researchers like that I was like working with just to like see it, just to like compare. And I was like, oh, okay. My mom's actually just like a big baller. So that's so cool to kind of accidentally come across and, and have a newfound respect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents didn't tell me about any of this stuff. I mean, my dad would like, sometimes he would be like, Hey, you know, like, you know, you should say congratulations to your mom. She got a grant or something, stuff like that. But it, like, it never really occurred to me that it was like anything big. I was just like, oh, good job, mom. I, I don't know what this means like, at all. <laughs> So what was, what was it like? Were your, were your parents like the typical strict Asian parents that wanted you to get a job in a specific industry or did you get the freedom to really decide your own future? From what point? In general, I guess, you know, during school, school growing up, like around high school onwards, were they heavily involved in determining your future and telling you what is the right decision to make? Or were you kind of left to your own devices since they were so busy with your younger brother? Ah, um, I would say that like, you know, prior to high school, 
my parents were pretty involved. Well, my dad was more involved. My, my mom was, was not as involved, which, you know, I suppose, I don't, I don't really know why. Anyway, my dad like taught me math from a young age. I'm sure you've heard this story if you talk to Asian people. <laughs> so my dad taught me math from a young age and I happened to be lucky enough that I was actually like pretty good at it. And I actually got a little kick of my own motivation when I like showed up in sixth grade. And cause like prior to sixth grade, you know, my dad had taught me like bits of math and I was like, oh, I'm so good at math. And then I showed up in sixth grade and there were just people who were way better than me. And I was like, what the hell is this? So I actually kind of did a lot of, I had a lot of my own motivation, kind of like, you know, having that like, like little chip on your shoulder kind of thing. And so I did, I did a lot of practice for like math competitions and in, in middle school and stuff. And my dad, my dad helped me. Um, oh, actually like what, what we ended up doing uh, was that I would have like an hour or so every, every day where I would just explain math problems to my dad. That helped me learn them much more than me, like actually doing any math. And yeah, so that was like my, my parents kind of were involved with that. My, they like, they basically just were like, I, I think they trusted me to like pick a field, whatever, but yeah, they were basically like, you know, go to a good college and get a high paying job and then you're successful. And that's basically all there is. And then, you know, get, get married and have some kids. And I was like, and I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, obviously I didn't do the get married and have some kids part, but you know, I, I went to, I went to UNC, which was for me at the time, like I, I would say, I would say that UNC is actually like a really good school, but at the time in high school, I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to get into Columbia or something mm, okay. this at every single Ivy league that I applied to. And I was like, what the fuck? So yeah. But then I ended up going to UNC. They gave me money. Oh yeah. Actually funny story. So I also got into Duke and I was going to have a, I had a full scholarship to Duke, but I got suspended in my senior year of college. I'm sorry, senior year of high school. And so they, they were sending my scholarship and I was like, what the hell is this? And then UNC was like, oh, we'll still give you money. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm coming. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What were you suspended for? Uh, organizing cheating rings. Cheating rings? What's that? You know how, like, you know how every, I actually don't know if you know how, this, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people at my high school, at least a lot of people I know would like cheat in high school. We just like cheat on classes because like, you know, who really gives a, and at this point I was like, I was in a position where like, I was like, people knew that I was smart or mm-hmm. at least knew I did well academically. And so people just asked me for answers. And I was like more than happy to just like tell people like, why do I care? Like if someone else gets a hundred on their exam, like I've already mm-hmm. gotten my hundred. So, so yeah, I did that. And they, yeah. So the, the high school was really, upset. <laughs> they were really upset with this. They were like, you can't just do this. And I was like, I was like, I don't care. Like, I just, I just don't care. Like, why does it matter to me if someone else is getting like a good grade? The guy across from me in econ, he would like cheat off me all the time. And like, it was very obvious. And I was like, dude, you could be way better at this. Like he would get like, yeah. uh, so I, I would, I would like get my like 95, like whatever something. And he would get like a 70 something. And I'd be like, dude, you know that I know you're, you're just copying off of me. You can actually, like, I don't care. And I was like, what are you doing? So, uh, but yeah, so the school was not, not very happy about that. How did, how did they find out? Did someone like rat on you or did a teacher just finally realize? I think eventually, like, I think, yeah, someone, I think someone ratted on us. So we were also cheating on like all the math contests too, because I would get the answer and then I would just like, tell whoever, <laughs> whoever would ask me. Um, and so eventually, you know, someone was like, well, this is, this is kind of sketchy. Like, who are these kids like suddenly getting perfect scores on exams? So yeah, I think it got kind of a little bit sketchy, but yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have no idea. Like, I was just, I just didn't care. So did you, did you tell other people in class or in, in school that, like, did you offer to give them better grades? Or did they come to you saying, can I cheat? on by like can I copy you oh I kind of walked into something that was already existing people were like oh yeah like you know we pass out answers to the bio tests for the chem tests do you want to like you know can you can I can I get this question for the math test and I was like oh yeah sure whatever um and then they were like do you want any of these answers and I was like I don't need them 
but you know, I was like, yeah, I'm more than happy to, to help you guys get your grades. Like I went to private school for my last two years of high school. It, it, was a, it, was a, it was a joke to begin with, you know, like the parents come in and they're like, my kid's having a C. I want them to have, you know, an A. And the teacher's like, okay. So I was like, who really cares? Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a different dynamic because the parents care more about the grades than the kids do, right? Right. So, you know. Um, Interesting. I mean, I come from, I was in school in Toronto, but I was in school in Scarborough, which is just not a, not a great neighborhood. So everyone knew I was smart, but I did other people's homework just to be cool, you know? So <laughs> mine was a totally different story. Yeah. I was not, okay. not cool unless I did people's homework. <laughs> I had a interestingly similar experience where, um, so in my math class, I had one of my, one of my best friends, at least for a couple of years, I haven't really talked to him in a long time, but uh, at the time, so we took math together in eighth grade and ninth grade and 10th grade. And he, I just, we had this arrangement where he would do my homework and I would do his tests. Really? Yeah. I hated doing homework, but the tests were just so easy. So yeah, he, he was like, he was like, I don't want to actually have to take the tests. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get these right. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? But you know, this was coming from literally someone who had spent thousands and thousands of hours doing math problems in middle school. So of course I thought it was easy. <laughs> How, how did you get to do the test for them? Yeah, so we would sit in the back of the class and I would kind of like look over to the teacher and be like, is this teacher looking? And I would like take my paper and like put it down like next to me and he would take his paper and put it down next to him and then we would just swap. And then I would, yeah. and I would, write, on, I would write on his test. And oh yeah, so one of the other things, I'm a really, really fast test taker. Like okay. I was done with almost all my tests within the first like 15 minutes. And so we would just swap and I would sit there and I would write in a slight different handwriting. Oh and my God. Beginning of the year, right? So like, cause I was like, you know, like if you do it in the middle of the, if you have like different handwriting on the test, like the teachers can tell, you know, and they're not mm. So I would just like do it in slightly different handwriting. I would try to mimic his handwriting cause I, you know, I'd seen his handwriting obviously. And yeah, I mean, we got away with this for like three years. So I did mm. a lot of cheating in high school. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. In like an interesting, like more like a peer-to-peer, like who cares kind of way, like than a malicious way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I didn't, I don't know. I couldn't, I could not, I could not have cared about my grades much less than I did. I was literally just getting them because, well, I guess like I kind of like my parents kind of cared. They were like, oh, you know, are you getting all A's? And I'd be like, oh, you know, I got a B. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, try harder next semester or something. And I'd be like, okay. But they, they, they probably have a little more oomph than, you know, try harder next semester. But, you know, that was basically like the, like the gist of it. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I had never, I, I pretty much gotten like all A's in high school. Like it was really easy. I never gotten, a, I got a couple of B's. I never got, I think I got my first C in college and that was pretty, that was pretty devastating for me, actually. <laughs> what, what uh, subject was that that you got a C in? Yeah, it was Calc 3, which I had gotten 100 in in high school. So I was like, what do you mean? And yeah, it was, I mean, there was a lot of reasons for it. Like, I stopped showing up to class in the middle. Actually, my grades, my test grades improved after I stopped showing up to class. So I don't know how that happened. But, you know, I stopped showing up to class in the middle and apparently there was an attendance grade. And then my first test, I got so many points taken off because I didn't use an eraser. I mean, because I, I used a, because I, I did use an eraser. I don't know. But basically, like, it was like something to do with like not showing enough work and then like using your pencil or pen instead. And I was like, what is this? What do you, what do you mean? Why are you taking points off for this? But yeah, that was the first, that was the first C I got. And I was, I was kind of devastated because I was like, this is a math class. Like I'm good at math. Yeah. They're just, they were just trying to punish you for not attending class, I guess, you know, or some non-issue, obviously. Being struck down for my hubris. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because I mean, most Asian families really pressure their kids to study and get amazing grades. And if you get an A minus, you know, it's like the end of the world for them. 
yeah. and it has obviously been very easy for you. So what pressures, if at all, did you get from your parents or in your household if it wasn't about grades since that came easy to you? So surprisingly, my parents didn't really pressure me to do too much. Once they like kind of like were satisfied with it, I was getting good grades. They were just like, don't die. My mom said, you know, don't, don't break any girl's hearts. And I was like, all right, mom, as if I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> um, you know, they're, you know, basically they're just like, don't die, be nice to people. Yeah, that was pretty much it. You know, just don't die, be nice to people. And so I was, I was like, okay, I mean, that's, that, those are, those are decently easy to do as well. Okay. So is, was there any pressure at all, like to have kids and be married at a certain time or any of that kind of expectation? Yeah, yeah that happened after I got my job at Amazon. I was like, I think I'm going to quit my job and, and start a startup. And my parents were like, you have no idea what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, but you don't either. And they were like, okay, fine. Okay. Wow. I mean, there was multiple arguments around this, but it was mostly just them being like, you have no idea what you're doing. And me being like, you don't either. And they're like, well, we don't have anything to say to this. So, you know, they didn't have to say anything to it. But yeah, my own point, my mom, like when I was, when I was working at Amazon, my mom was like, ah, oh, you know, are you seeing any nice girls? You know, you should settle down and get married and maybe have some kids. And I was like, you guys didn't have kids until you were close to 30. So I've got seven years. So like at that point I was like, I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, there was a little bit, but not, not much. Oh yeah. Then, yeah. And then, oh, right, right. So after I quit my job and started my startup and, and stuff, you know, for the first few months, I was just just like literally just bleeding money, you know, um, because I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at all. And my mom was like, you need to get a stable job. And I was like, oh my God, mom, please just stop saying this. But eventually, I mean, like eventually I caved in and I was like, all right, I'm going to apply to jobs. My second company actually makes some money. Like I was like, oh, I'm actually like making some money now. Like what the hell is this? I was very surprised in, in like a good way. But yeah, so that is something that, that I guess my, pre- my parents pressure me to do. My mom's like, yeah, you know, women like like guys with with a stable job and I was like all right mom whatever uh, so yeah did, did that ever affect you in terms of dating women like was there an expectation that like you had to be bringing home the bacon I don't think so uh I think most of the most of the most of the women that I dated are very like I, I mean I, have, I happen to be attracted to this type as well it's just you know like the more like you know modern day strong independent woman type I'm like ah oh, yes you know I like that I like people with opinions and, and stuff like that. So I, I mean, like, I'm perfectly happy to pay for things on dates and stuff, but most of the girls that um, I see, like, okay, so I'll go on dates with girls and they'll be like, no, we're going to split, split this. And I was like, okay, I mean, if you want to, like, whatever. So then how did you personally feel about setting up your startup, you know, bleeding money, as you were saying, and how long was that duration that you endured before you were like, hey, this is it for me? So I was, it took about seven or eight months for me to kind of be like, all right, I just don't have the runway to do this. And for me, like, how did I feel about it? I felt freedom. When I left Amazon, I got a lot of congratulations from a lot of people who worked at Amazon. They're like, oh my God, you got the golden handcuffs. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, yeah. So it turns out most people at Amazon don't like their job. Well, it actually turns out 87% of America doesn't like their job. So why is that surprising? I, I felt, I felt freedom because like, you know, up until then, even though my parents never really pressured me to like do much, I felt like my entire life path had just been like set out by my parents. And the biggest kind of things that happened in my life were a result of my, of my parents. And so I think that the, uh, prior to that, like the biggest thing, the biggest event that hadn't happened in my life was my parents had decided to move to America because I was born in China. And so if my parents hadn't decided to, to move here, then I would totally just be in China right now, probably doing engineering, exactly what I ended up doing here. And I was like, you know, if my parents are going to take the trouble to move their asses all the way to America, like I might as well take the trouble to take advantage of the American system. 
And I was like, okay, well, you know, what is, what is a big advantage in the American system is you get to start companies pretty much willy nilly. There's a lot of venture capital funding out there and your company can fail and, it, and you don't, you don't take like a huge hit from it. And so I was like, my, I should take advantage of this. And I also just felt like confined because like every single choice in my life up until then had been like super easy to make. You know, going to UNC was a super easy choice because it was just like, they're giving me money. All right. Going to Amazon was a super easy choice because they're giving me a lot of money. I had never seen that much money before. And I had wanted to go to a, do a machine learning PhD out of uh, college, but I didn't get into any of my PhD programs. So it was a good thing that I had a job offer from Amazon because I was like, oh shit, uh, I would have been fucked otherwise. So yeah, I was, I was very happy with that. But like, it was almost as if every decision in my life, my hand had been forced. It was, it was always a clear path. And then maybe I just wanted, maybe I just had some desire to muddy the waters. Maybe I just had some desires to like test myself, to like prove myself to myself, right? It was, it was very freeing to just be like, you know what? Fuck it, YOLO, we're, we're out. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was fun trying to recruit people. It was fun trying to do sales. Oh my God, I, I, need, I need to get way better at sales. And that's like, that's like a skill that I want to cultivate. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a good time. You know, I learned things about what do you do with startups? Like how, what's important for startups? Obviously having some sort of market entry plan. I didn't have a market entry plan. Like how, how foolish is that? You, you, you live and you learn. So I, I consider it, if I had to go back, I would make the same choice. I just, I would have built a different company, but I, I still would have left and, and built a company. And I think that's, that's really brave. I think you go through your whole life following someone else's expectation that no one actually put in place for you you just like assume that that's supposed to be the one to do and that could be media saying that your parents saying that your peers saying that like who knows but -hmm. you just made that decision on your own so what do you think was that tipping point where you're just like hey why am I following whatever this dream is yeah I think like there was a lot of points along the way Okay. So, so yeah, we chatted about this briefly earlier. So I took some shrooms in January of 2020 and mm-hmm. it was life-changing for me. I was like, it really made me realize what I was doing was kind of not something that I really liked that much. And then I was like, why am I even doing this? Like, oh, it's because they're paying me a lot of money. And then I was like, no, it's, that's absurd. Is this really all there is to life? Like, I'm just going to be working and for money. Like, I don't care about money, you know? And so I was like, I was like, what, what, what the hell? Um, and then I got to work on some big projects because like, I guess, I guess, cause I was doing well. Um, they put me on some like nice big projects to help, you know, they wanted to, to make me feel important. My manager was like, yeah, you know, you're doing great work. And I was like, oh, okay, dude, whatever. And he was like, you know, this is going to save us a lot of money. And I was like, yeah, why the fuck do I care about saving Amazon money? I don't. And you know, things like that. And then we had this one project where he was like, oh, you know, this saves us like you know, $1.2 million, like off the bat, like just immediately. And I was like, Oh, great, cool. Uh, and then we had my annual review. And so I got like really good ratings and everything. And then we had my annual, like, you know, salary, whatever thing. And I got, you know, like some like small, like raise. And I was like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. I don't even get a bonus from like helping save a million dollars, like nothing. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, I, I, this is expected in, in some ways, right? If you're working for a corporation. They put down all of the capital and all of the manpower to build everything that you're building on top of. So it's like, you know, I don't expect to get a million dollars for that, but like, I was like, it'd be nice to get like a little bit of a bonus, right? Like just let the people who work for you, like feel, feel like, you know, the, feel like they're getting something for what they're doing. So I was like, I was like, yeah, this is really absurd. I'm really just working here for the money at this point, And I'm not even getting as much money as I want. And so like, there was a lot of like things where I was like, well, I should dip. Uh, and so then in, I went, I went home in July 
over the July 4th weekend, I had a bunch of arguments with my parents about leaving Amazon. Um, my mom was like, how could you leave such a, such a good job? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really absorb it. I was just kind of sitting there like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to quit. Like I was at that point, I was like, I'm going to quit. Like no matter what you say, like, I, I don't care. And then I flew back and I quit my job. I put in my like two week notice. I actually put in a three week notice and then I quit. And then, yeah. That's crazy. And I think like you, you just made that decision already, right? Like you knew there was no, no money in the world at this point. If you've decided that money isn't the motivator for you, it's not going to, yeah, doesn't matter. Right. I think that's interesting. Like I, I also quit work in corporate and started my own business and my parents exactly were the same. They were like, you have the best paying job right now. You have full autonomy on the job that you've got. And here you are choosing to not do it. And I was like, yeah, I literally want to do anything but this. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was challenging for sure. So, so how was that, uh, that entrepreneurial journey for you? Because uh, for me, it was like, you have to start from the bottom all over again. And, you know, accept the type of work that you're going to do. I think uh, in retrospect... Now I wish I had more support or like mm-hmm. more confidence in myself to invest in myself, you know, and put up more money in front. Like I was really frugal and tried to do everything with like zero upfront, oh, <laughs> which yeah. was like basically impossible. So I ended up paying for it eventually. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it was fine. But then I think moving forward, I did a way better job as I expanded and made more revenue out of my business as it went forward. So what would some of those learnings be in terms of just like that journey and doing it all by yourself with no real support and a lot of doubt and skepticism from everyone around you? Yeah, I would say it was tough. It was, it was, it was tough. I had support from one person and it was my roommate from college. He was like, yeah, I'll help you build some stuff. You don't have to give me anything. I gave him 5% of the company. I mean, it doesn't matter because the company failed. So I had support from him and I had like some support from like the interns that I ended up recruiting, but it was tough. I actually talk about this. So I, I host these weekly sessions on Clubhouse where I talk about where it's like QA with a startup founder or QA with like a CTO or something like that, basically, where I just like talk about technical things, like how to build like a technical product, how to run a technical team and like other business things like this. A lot of the questions that I get are, are somewhat similar to that. And so I, I always say the three things that I re- the three big takeaways that I got from, from my first company failing was that one, you have to have a vetted market entry strategy, right? Like you have to know like who you're going to sell to and how you're going to sell to them, whatever your product is. Just because you can build a good product doesn't mean you can sell it. Marketing and sales is 80, 85, 90, maybe more of percentage of like the company. You can build a good product, but it doesn't matter uh, in terms of like company building. It doesn't matter unless you can sell it. Uh, and then the third thing is like, obviously you can't do everything yourself. And this was something that I had to kind of learn, like, you know, being an immigrant and kind of having that autonomy and like having that like very self, I think also being an only child probably also contributes to this for the most part anyway, uh, like having that like self, like self, whatever, like I can kind of do this kind of mentality definitely was, was like, like not actually, like I couldn't actually do it all by myself. You know, you need to really find like people and people who are like there to, to help to help you on the journey and, and stuff like that. So that was something that I really learned, but yeah. So like I, I applied these to my, well, I didn't really apply all of them to my second business. So my second business, I still am running it completely by myself, but I did apply the first two, you know, I did have a market entry strategy and I did do sales and marketing for it. So. Nice. I think like people that's, that's like the biggest thing, like finding the right tribe. And, and the more I look at it, I'm just, I'm very all or nothing about people it's like, if I want one person for the job, it's going to be only this one person that I scouted for or nobody. Uh-huh. So I'm really going to hope that that person says yes. 
And um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember looking for someone to take over most of my operations. And I was like, who is Amanda 2.0? You know, and I wrote down exactly whoever's going to be better than me in all of these ways. And then I found like nice. Amanda 5.0. And I was like, it's this person or nothing. Yeah, I have not found 2.0, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of that is, you know, accepting that that's not going to be you, you know, and that you're actually better off doing a different role than the other roles that you obviously can do if you wanted to, but that's not what you would do best yeah. at and accepting that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I have this like thing where I'm just, I want to do everything and I want to do it my way because I'm somewhat of a perfectionist and because, yeah, like just kind of, I guess like it's like a somewhat of control freak when it comes to that. But I've let it, I've let a lot of it go. Like working with, working with my roommate on my first startup, a lot of it was like, I want it done this way, this way, this way. And then I was like, you know what? You're working on the front end. You, you decide how it works. And this is something also like working with other startups I've realized you know, you, in, in terms of like getting like engineers to work together, like getting really smart people to work together, what's, what's your idea for how you want to do this? Like, here's what needs to be done. What, how do you want to do it? And people often come up with great ideas, usually something very similar to what I want to do, or sometimes they come up with better ideas and I'm just like, all right, you know, go for it. So now that you kind of have a, a taste of, you know, what it was like working in a team environment, starting your own startup, what would success look like for you now? What does success look like for me? Uh, having peace of mind, being able to enjoy my life. And, you know, part of that is being able to enjoy my work. And I really want to empower other people to go out and start their own company or, or something like that. I don't actually know how many people really want to go do that, but I know that a lot of America is unsatisfied with their jobs. I know that a lot of my friends have come up to me with, and a lot of my friends' friends have said things like, oh, you know, I've got this app idea I want to build and, you know, I want to, I want to start this company. Or, or I want to, you know, build this app or you know, just things like that. And so I think a lot of what I'm doing now, like what a lot of what I've learned is people ask me either career oriented questions or like starting a company oriented questions. No one ever asks me any actual questions about technology when I host my clubhouse meetings. And so, yeah, I, I would like to empower people to go out and, and start their own company, help people like make career decisions, which it's just funny because I can't even make my own career decisions. Right. So, but these are like things that I would like to empower people to do inspire or empower uh, yeah empower you know you gotta inspire people first and then you empower them after but um yeah that's that's what i would like to do that's what success would look like for me it's funny how it's not so much about your actual endeavors in your business but more impacting others to go on the journey as well yeah yeah i definitely think like i i got a lot of confidence i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about i guess like other also like other people it's been amazing to just kind of like hear things about like, you know, what's going on in other people's lives and what, what other people are interested in and what they're doing. And, you know, a lot of my life has been focused around like, how am I going to do X, Y, and Z? And that's like not very fulfilling. I'm already at the point where I know that like, if I just, you know, apply myself to something, like I can do it. There's nothing that's particularly like, oh, this is like such a technical challenge. I would be like, yes, I will spend my life doing this. When people say things to me, like I'm at my clubhouse meetings, they're like, you know, oh, like, thank you. This has been really helpful. Or like, oh, like, you know, you've, you've, uh, you've inspired me. And oh, like, how did you get so confident in yourself? And people ask me just things like this and they'll say like, you know, oh, I want to, I want to be like that. Oh, I want to do that. And I'm like, nice. I'm glad that I can inspire you. And then I kind of like sit and think to myself, okay, other than inspiring people, like, what can you do? What's the next step? You know, I think that that happens to a lot of people. And I, I don't, I really don't think that it's like something that I mean, I know it's for a fact that it's not something that people set out to do, but I think it happens to a lot of people. You know, we got to get caught up in the every, everyday, you know, aspects of life. 
I know when I was working, like, it was like every day was the same, you know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh my God, it's Friday. Nice. Now it's the weekend. You go out on the weekend, you get absolutely wrecked. And then you come back and the next week and you're like, oh fuck, I have to work again. But I, I don't know. I think this happens to a lot of people. I think a lot of people want to kind of like get out of that. And I hope that I, I, I think I'm, I, I think I can, and I want to, and you know, I'm just going to say I'm going to uh, inspire people to, and, and empower people to kind of go on, on their own like entrepreneurial journey. I think the journey is, is, is absolutely worth it. And I don't think it's just like, you know, the experience you gain, but I think it's who you get to become along the way. I think it's, I think it builds a lot of character. I think it also builds confidence. I think it's just helpful in general, you know, like to, to kind of get that like freedom of, you know, fuck it. It doesn't really matter what society or your parents or movies or whatever it tells you what success is. You can, you can even say, fuck it. And I don't even care about success, but you can also define success for yourself. And I, I think what's what, what, what was really valuable to me was like kind of who I was able to become along the way since, since I started that. So. Yeah. I think it's huge to redefine what success means. That's different from the way media portrays it as, you know, like rich and powerful and you have all the kids and you know, whatever the situation is. Um, I've been on a new path to redefine what success is because I'm just a serial entrepreneur. So it's really easy for me to venture into another thing and know exactly the market demand of what I'm going to, you know, interact with. But then I would just be collecting more money again, unless there was a, a real purpose to it. And right. I think why, why I started the podcast is really because I know that I'd actually look at success as being able to challenge people's perspectives, you know, and, and there's no monetary gain on that, you know, or a, a clear cut monetary gain on that in the same sense anymore. So I think it's really clear what you value as success and what matters to you. So what would happiness mean to you? Happiness is, is getting what you want. Happiness is, is fleeting, but that's kind of my thoughts on it. It's just happiness is getting what you want. Okay. So it's getting what you want, but what do you mean by fleeting? Like, like as an emotion, uh, as a, as an emotion, happiness is fleeting. Getting what you want is like a short term kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I got what I want. Nice. I'm, I'm happy about this today. Maybe I'll be happy about it tomorrow. And then by the third day, I'll have forgotten about it. So I, I guess this is kind of like a, you know, an interesting or maybe a negative view to take. But I heard some, someone give this quote recently that I thought was really good. It was like, happiness is getting what you want. Joy is wanting what you get. And I would like to hopefully have a lot of joy in my life of just, you know, wanting what it is that I get. In terms of getting what I want, you know, for me, like I do usually get what I want. I'm very, very lucky in that regard. Uh, I also think that generally one of the reasons why I get what I want is because I, I ask for it. And I was very surprised at how easy it was to get things that I asked for. And also like, of course this makes sense because like, you know, if you don't ask for what you want, you're not going to get it. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like that's, that's, that, I don't know. That's, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like, don't ask, don't get right. It's, it's right. so simple. So it seems like you're very fearless because you don't have, a lot of barriers along the way, you know, like you always got good grades. You didn't have to try so hard. You knew you were smart. You can get that confidence. You decided what you wanted, you know, money was going to, what wasn't going to be a factor. I think what other people's conventional fears were, you didn't have. So it was a lot easier for you to explain how to overcome them. So yeah. what fears do you actually have then in, in, in retrospect? Because I mean, I feel like I can really relate with you in, in that sense because success was never a problem for me. I was always an overachiever. I was always able to do things 
really yeah. quickly yeah. And, and, and fast. But my fears were, you know, acceptance rather than, you know, control and autonomy and success and money. Like it was uh, respect, you know, it was being understood. It was, you know, yeah. changing. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I, I, I relate to this. So, I mean, okay, I do want to, I do want to correct one thing. Like, it's not like money is not a factor. Like, I don't want to be like doing something where I'm like broke, right? But yeah, so I definitely had fears that I wasn't very smart or that I wasn't going to be good enough for m- many things in general. Like, you, thinking about my story, you're like, what, what the hell? Like, doesn't make sense at all. Like, how could, how could you have those fears? But I, so I did math competitions all through high school, middle school. I won a lot of them. I won like NC State math contest my senior year, but a lot of my friends who did these math competitions ended up going to like Ivy League schools, you know, or Stanford or Caltech, you know, all these like really high ranking schools. And I was just like really upset about this. And so if that was the first, that was the first thing that really upset me that kind of made me like have that like self-doubt. And then I, you know, I got my C in, in Calc 3 in, in college and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, it turns out I'm not good at math after all. And I was like a B student, like a B plus student in college. Like I spent a lot of time like you know, I, I pledged a fraternity, I, you know, smoked a lot of weed, went out to parties and stuff. I was by no means a good kid in college, which I had, I, I guess I'd already stopped that in high school. But at this point, I, I was just like, one th- one fear was, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in my life. And I and one fear was like, I'm never going to figure this out. And I think I, I changed the fear of I'm never going to figure this out into who cares? It, it doesn't matter if I figure it out. I think most people probably don't have it figured out. And so like, there's no reason to fear something that's unchangeable. You just have to accept it, right? I had a lot of imposter syndrome when I went to Amazon because I had just been rejected from all of my PhD schools and Amazon was the only job offer that I had. And so I felt like a lot of imposter syndrome coming in, like, damn, couldn't even get into any of these programs that I wanted to get into. And so I had to go to therapy for um, anxiety and I had to go to therapy for like gender identity related issues. Like, so I guess like one of the things that was like, one of the reasons why I joined a fraternity was because I didn't have enough like guy friends, a lot of girlfriends. Uh, I never really had enough guy friends outside mm-hmm. of like video games and I don't know if this was because like I didn't actively seek them out or if like I, I don't really don't know why like I was just like uh, but this was something that bothered me and then and it's something that still kind of slightly bothers me but now I'm, I'm more accepting of it I'm like okay whatever we'll, we'll, we'll let it be and so you know so yeah like you said like being accepted and being understood was part of that and I, I had like really long hair I'm generally I, I generally am into rather feminine things I I'm, I like to wear jewelry I like to paint my nails and I, I like being pretty. I know how to do makeup, things like that, right? So I was, and, and yeah, I guess like being understood, definitely a fear. I don't, I don't really know if people understand me. I think a lot of people that I, that I talk to end up kind of thinking like, especially when it comes to like the thing where I'm like, look, you know, like, like money is really, like money is obviously some motivational factor, but it really isn't that big of a motivational factor for me. And, and a lot of people find this really strange. I'll like offer to like pay for things sometimes. And my friends are like, dude, you literally just lost like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in, in your company. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna make it back though. You know, like and money is just something that you, it comes and goes, right? So that was like one of my, one of my attitudes that people are kind of like, the fuck is this guy on about? I don't know. Like, I guess like also like being, <sighs> I have this, I have this fear of, of never, of never being uh, good enough. of never reaching my, my ideal uh, image uh, of never reaching, you know, like, I guess some people would call it their potential, but never reaching my like ideal image. And, and I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, obviously, like when I started my company, I had a few, I had a lot of fears. I was like, I'm going to fail probably. And it did happen. And I was like, God damn it. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, a lot of these kind of fears, I think like my main one is just like the fear of never being good enough. Not that I have any fucking clue what that means, but. You know. Is that, um, is that based on your version 
of what being good enough of your own potential is or is that other people's perceptions of what you being good enough is going to be? Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, like, because where, where would you get the standard from? Right, yeah. So here's the thing is, I don't know what good enough means. I don't know what enough is for me. So I don't even know. So that that's, you know, that's like nebulous. And it's like, you know, it, it's because I don't even know. <laughs> well, Well, that's the thing. If you don't have the North Star, you can't get to it. So then you'll always be circling around trying to search for it. Whereas like, it, it's really funny because if, if you can see the light out of the, you know, at the end of the tunnel, it doesn't matter what the obstacles are because you see the light. But if you can't see the light at all, you'll, you're just going to be tripping over everything, right? Then like, you don't even know how, how, how many things you have to go through to get out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good metaphor because I actually described this to one of my friends and I was like, dude, I feel like a blind man groping around in the dark looking for an elephant, you know? Like, that's actually, like, how I feel with that. What the hell am I doing with my life? Because I, I just don't know. You know, I've got things where I'm like, I think this is what I want to do. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Does. I, I yeah. think, like, it's interesting because, like, I kind of went the same ways, like, the same methodology as you did, which is, you know, by isolation. All the things that I don't want to do, I'll just keep isolating. You know, and then I'll be happy with the fact that I tried something new and then not that one and then tried something new and then not that one. And then I would get a little bit uneasy because it's like, well, how many more things do I have to keep trying and not liking? Yeah. You know, <laughs> until you get to to that. But if you switched the mindset to like, okay, what intentionally do I want to do? That's going to change. Yeah. It's going to make me really care about. And that's the scary thing. Cause then that's when you're finally like, oh, this is what matters to me. And no one else can change that thought versus like, you just keep isolating things. You're just separating, uh, you know, you're just subtracting all of the noise that you're just going to forever experience in life because there will always be noise. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so relatable. Yeah. I definitely, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people like talk to me and they're like, oh, you know, like, oh, and I, I did this too, obviously. And it was just like, how do you, how do you decide what you do? It's like, well, I decided what I didn't want to do and I did something else. And that was like definitely how I started with entrepreneurship too. But now I, I have, I have an idea of like what I want to do. Right. Yes. I want to go empower these people to, to go and start their own companies and stuff, but how I'm going to do that. I'm not totally sure yet. Um, you know, I'm like, I've, I've written a book. I host Clubhouse podcasts. I do consulting. You know, I make videos and stuff, but I don't know how to like reach the right audience. And I don't know, like, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm not like totally sure who the right audience is. Obviously I have like an idea. I'm like, yes, people who are like me, you know, probably like early mid twenties just feels like they're in like a, a job that, you know, maybe they're good at, but they don't really like wants to start a company and like, yeah, I don't know. So there's like a lot of like, I think there's a lot of things around it where I just haven't like fully considered. And I'm a little bit afraid to consider these things too. I'm a little bit afraid to consider things like, okay, what, what do I really want to do? Like, why do I want to do this? Is it because, uh, yes, it helps me feel better about myself in some way, which is like, I'm just fine. I'm, I'm okay with taking that. Or is it like, ah, uh, yes, I want to do this because like, I want to have like control and I want to have power and blah, blah, blah. I don't really know. Like I question my own motivation sometimes. And I, I, I don't know, like, I'm like, I don't really think that it's because, you know, I, I want to have this control or this power or whatever, but like, I, I really don't know. So it, it, it's hard to, to kind of fully consider that. Are you able to have these conversations of just like uncertainty with your peers or is this kind of like a, your own thought process that you labor over yourself? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really talk to, I don't really talk to people about this actually. And, and the reason why I, I don't talk to people about it is because when I start trying to talk to people about it, a lot of people don't relate. For example, my neighbor is, he's great. We'll hang out, we'll smoke and yeah, I'll talk to him about some stuff like this and he'll, he'll kind of look at me with like a little bit of a blank place. I, I don't know, maybe I'm not talking about it correctly or something, but he'll kind of look at me and he'd be like, yeah, man, I just want to make a lot of money. And I'm like, I mean, that's relatable. Like everyone wants a lot of money, but like, 
that's absurd. What are you gonna What are you gonna fucking do with it? So I, I don't know. I think I think that maybe it's just hard to talk about with peers. I don't know. A lot of people that I know are very in, into the rat race kind of mentality, and I'm like, yeah, I've been there, I've done that. So no judgment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also if you've hit it, like you've you've reached what having loads of money means, and yeah. not everyone has hit that right. So they're they're still there, and and once you've surpassed it, you're like, okay, well, well, what's next? Because I can make money again. But that's that's not the point. I don't want to repeat history. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Because like you know, like out of college, I was like making like you know, Amazon gave me like I was making over 130k, and I was just like, I was like, what the fuck? I never, I never guessed that I was gonna make this much money. And then I was like, I'm making this much money out of college. And then I was like, I'm literally 22. Like I'm not responsible. Like this. <laughs> and yeah, that was like a crazy point for me when I was just like. Oh, like, you know, in software, like it's very easy to get paid, like a, a very comfortable wage. So yeah, for me, I was like, I've been there where I've done like the whole, like, okay, I'm chasing the money. Now I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to have an impact on people. I want to have some meaning to my life. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I don't, I'd always have this conversation with people, especially people, like whenever I go on like a date with somebody and I'm like, you know what, what do you want? in uh-huh. general and they'd always say like i just want to live a simple life i just want to be happy i just want to like to make enough money to get by and not have to like struggle right because at this point they're probably grinding they're you know trying to figure out the hustle and i'm like yeah but don't you want to do something more than that that's like above you like as an yeah. individual yeah 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 exactly yeah for sure like i don't have this conversation with people but i guess like oh what do i t- i don't even know what i like I haven't been out. I haven't been out on a date like in a long time. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I have no idea what 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 even people even talk about on dates. I've been on a date since college. Oh uh, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Never mind. I've been on a date since COVID. Sorry. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true either. I went on a couple. Okay, but I don't really know like what people talk about. So I, I don't know what I talk about anyway. Well, that's what I think is interesting because usually, like you just said, I think earlier in this in this call that. Uh, it, it, people would ask you like, what do you do? How much money do you make? Or can you afford this? Or, you know, those were the assumptions, right? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, like no one's ever asked me like straight up, like how much money do you make? People ask me what I do when, you know, you're like, oh, I'm a software developer. Like you can take a guess at how much software developers make in Seattle. Like if you live in Seattle, like, you know, and then like the whole, like, you know, can you afford whatever? Like once again, you're, they're just like, oh, you're a software developer. So it's like, of course, like, uh, so a, a while ago I was dating this girl who was like a doctor. Um, she's or she was in her residency you know but yeah you know she was like you're making a lot of money right can you like blah blah blah. and I was like yeah sure I'll buy dinner like I don't care and I went back to North Carolina uh, over break and one of my friends from high school that I used to party with was like hey she was like hey you're like you're like rich now right and I was like not really but she was like oh can you like buy my drinks I was like yeah sure like what like I don't care like um, (laughs) so like I guess like you know it happens but it doesn't really like I don't know it's not something that I like particularly think about do you you think that's a, a male attribute like I mean, that usually the guy has to I mean he's going to get paid more anyway thanks to society but in general like do you believe in that do I believe that like guys should be the the breadwinner or whatever or just have to up to front more just because they get paid more in general uh I don't know that's a good question I haven't really thought about that let me see I mean I think that like it's totally up to the individual some women make more some guys make more I think it's totally up to the individual you know some people like to split some people I don't know. I think it's like preference, really. I personally don't mind. Yeah, I personally don't mind as long as it's not like ridiculous requests. Like if someone's like, can you buy me this like Bugatti Veyron? I'd be like, no, I can't. <laughs> but, you know, like 
if it's like, oh, can you buy dinner? Blah blah. blah. Can you buy drinks? I mean, yeah, sure. Like that's like, that's that's fine. So so you're unbothered about it. It's kind of you know within reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's you know as long as it's like within. As long, if it's like something like you know totally ridiculous, then I'm like, well, you know, you're just ridiculous. So then, what what would you be looking for now in terms of finding a compatible partner? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, I did a I did allude to this that I had did have some girl troubles recently, and there is this one girl that I'm like very attached to. And I don't I don't know. Like I met her while I was at Amazon. She also works at Amazon. I, she probably wouldn't want me to talk about this on a podcast, but you know, too bad. Um, <laughs> we're out of here, so. But yeah, you know, I, I don't. She's. I, I guess what I'm looking for is someone who's, a, you know, a little bit carefree, a little bit playful someone who's good to spend time with, someone who kind of like sympathizes with my like very strange like things that I muse about, like, oh my God, you know, like, I don't even know. I don't even, I don't even have any like real problems to complain about. Oh, you know, actually I did. I did actually, because I, I got multiple job offers. And so I was complaining to my friends about this and I was just, I was like, God, I was like, I didn't, I didn't think this would happen because I like, I exclusively applied to jobs that I, I knew I barely met half the qualifications for. And I really just, I didn't even know if I was going to get the interview. And then I was like, well, well you know, when I got the interview, I didn't, didn't expect to get the job offer. And then I got the job offer and I was like, what do you mean I have to decide? What do you mean I have to pick one? What the, what the hell is this? So, so yeah, like that's like, I don't know, someone who like kind of is able to sympathize with the ridiculous level of like first world problems that I have. And someone who's like caring, someone who's, you know, oh my God. Okay. So I love, love, love sending like little sweet nothings or like getting sent like sweet nothings throughout the day. And so someone can do that for me. I'd be like, oh, nice. I like, you know, independent women. I like people who have like their own kind of life. I, I, I definitely dated some, some girls in college where like, like outside of like school stuff, they basically just want to hang out all the time. And I was like, I prefer someone who has their own hobbies, who has their own kind of life, who yeah, even if, they don't have to have totally different hobbies for me, but you know, if they have some different hobbies, that's nice. I don't want to spend like, you know, my entire day with someone. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I want someone who's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. There's, <laughs> there's like a, a lot of different things that are like, ah, yes, I would want this, but then it's like, I would also be okay with not having this if blah, 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 blah. So I ask this question a lot. I think it's really funny. So this is um just something interesting about just gender dynamics, because when I ask this about men, they always name certain things that might uh, conflict with their vision of freedom or independence. I think it's a, you know, very masculine journey to go on your lone wolf journey and find yourself and find success and, you know, define your life in whatever way that means. So when Uh, men get attached, you know, in a relationship and then they detach from that relationship, they're like, oh, my freedom is back. You know, I can like do whatever I want. It can run around in my underwear. I can like whatever. And the the <laughs> fact that there was an attachment to the person they're with, with like rules or like some type of restriction. So usually when I'm like, what do you want in, in a woman? And they'll, they'll always say like, oh, you know, she lets me be me. She understands where I'm coming from. And, you know, she gives me space and like all of these things, but this is the standard, you know, people yeah. should treat you like another human and you should never feel like you're restricted. But that's always been the case, which I think is really funny. It's just like an autom- automatic stereotype that, I mean, at least in heterosexual relationships, they've put on. And then in, in retrospect with, with women, you know, it's always like, oh, I want to be seen. And well, I wish you would like notice that, you know, notice little things or, or whatever. And again, these are all like general attributes that like you would never be friends with someone who took up all your time. You would, you would push back with right, a client. Yeah that was taking up too much of your time, right? Like you would be able to enforce those boundaries yeah. and yet you don't when, um, when it's in a romantic relationship. So recently I asked myself that question and I was like, 
I, I want someone that I can work with, right? So, so I realized, you know, I want someone that, uh, yeah, like if we both have the same desire for whatever world change it is that we were looking for. So if his world change is just like to live right. on a beach by himself, then we don't match, right? right so right, I was like, right. this person has to have like a, a desire for social change, you know, because I focus a lot on gender issues. So whoever this other person is has to be able to contribute in that same form. That's a little bit more specific now. Yeah. So if I ask you the question again, oh. how would you answer it? Okay. I would want, I actually don't, I, I don't, I, I guess like, I mean, yeah, having someone that you could actually work together with to like build something. And like, if I could have someone like to work together with me to help people, to, to build something that'll help people, that'll empower people to like build their own companies. Like that would be awesome. I, I haven't even like gotten close to asking for that. I don't think that, I mean, maybe I'm sure there are people out there like that. I just am not brave enough to ask for that yet. And I don't know if that's something that I really need. I think that specifically, I don't have any like real, <laughs> I don't have any like real specifics. I, I like, I like, I like women that are like playful and, and, and kind of like less, you know, less, less serious. I'm not very serious. I, I don't like to be very serious about my life. And I think that, that they have, you know, someone who's okay with that has to be, has to be up there. I think that someone who is, I mean, yeah, like just like mostly just like someone who's like chill and, and, and like good to hang out with. And, and I guess, yeah, yeah, right. Like cares, cares about the same things. Like that's, that's important. You're right. But I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really thought too much in that direction. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely a tough question, Amanda. Uh, I think it's, I think it's funny because you just said like, yeah, you know, that, that'd be awesome, but it's not yeah. something I need. I'm, yeah, I guess, I, I guess like, I, I'm not, I haven't, I, I just, I, I haven't found anybody like that yet. So it's, it is something that I'd be like, that would be great. It's a plus, but it's not like something like I need this. So that's the question. Why does it have to, why do you have to need it? Like, shouldn't you just shoot for the moon and land in the stars, you know, like go for what you actually want? Because then if you look at how you've been living your life, you've just been doing things that you need, not things that you want. Oh my God, Amanda, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. I guess I'm afraid to ask for it because I haven't met anybody like that. And uh, I think if I met someone like that, then I would be, I'd be like, ah, nice. But I also like, I mean, I think there's a ton of people that, that, would, that would be helping, that, that would be willing to help with this vision of empowering people to, you know, start their own companies and stuff. Uh, I, I mean, you know, there's accelerators and incubators out there that are basically doing the same thing, but, you know, they're like very hard to get into and you like, you know, it's, it's all like very specific. And it's not like a lot of people talking about their experiences, people telling you how to do things. And like, I, I don't think that like my like partner, my romantic partner has to be the one that, that helps me do that. Like I'm, I'm more than happy to have like a, you know, like a business partner that's, that's not my like romantic partner. Yeah, I think like specifically in romantic relationships, I got, I don't know, this can be, this can be viewed in, in many ways, but in, in romantic relationships, I'm really only looking for like um, someone that, someone that understands me, someone that's on my side, someone that's like sympathetic to my whatever cause being someone who kind of has their own life um that, i mean i'm really not looking for i'm really not looking for that much in a romantic partner maybe i just have low standards for this i i, I don't know i i, I don't know I, oh you know actually here's something like okay. i would like someone over five four over average height you know there you go that's a that's you know i'm i mean i'm like i'm i'm like six two so like i've dated girls that were like five feet two or like five feet one i'm like this is a little bit it just feels a little bit awkward i don't know why mm. but like it like feels a little bit awkward so i'm like yeah you know It'd be nice to have have someone who's kind of tall. So, yeah, not something I need, but again, but something that I would really, really desire. So, okay, uh, 
Yeah, there you go. There's there's one. Hey, yeah. you can get you can have it all. You are all of it too, so you can get the complete package. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If, if only I knew what having it all uh, entailed, you know, mm-hmm. I, I always think that there are, I actually, I don't know, actually, I always think there's like traits to, to things. There's always an opportunity cost. So. Yeah. But that, yeah. that's also a limited mindset or a scarcity line mindset where you have to give to get. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. So I want to, I want to wrap up with two questions. Sure. Um, the first question is, from this call today, what is something that you learned about yourself that surprised you? From this call today, what is something I learned about, my, I learned about myself that surprised me? Ah, oh, you know, I didn't actually think about the whole, like, yes, I would really like to have someone who would be, and who would, who would be helping me, you know, build my vision of empowering people to, to go out and build their own companies. So when you mentioned that, I was like, or when you mentioned how you wanted someone that uh, was aligned with your vision of, of bringing about the social change, uh, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, actually, you know, that, that would make that would make that would make a lot of sense. But yeah, I guess like that was something I didn't really know. I don't know if that surprised me, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely, definitely that. Anything else? Um... Oh, you know, something that surprised me was when you were like, oh yeah, you know, pretty much all guys say that this is like what they what they're looking for in a partner. Like we want we want someone that doesn't uh, limit your freedom or, or yeah. whatever it is, something like that. And I was like, oh, that's surprising. I was like, I think, I, but yeah, like you know, it makes sense. Like yeah, pretty much everyone probably wants that. So. My last question to you is, out of everything that we talked about today, what uh, topic jumped out to you the most that you'd like to invite another man to speak about in another episode on the show? Defining what success is to you. I think that's an interesting one. Okay. I, I would like to hear more about what people, what people think about that. Yeah. I think like, yeah, yeah. For me, like, yeah, I think like that, that's like pretty interesting. Like what is success? I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So. Yeah, exactly. Like. It, it has normally been a conversation about finances, but there's more to what success could potentially be beyond, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, All right. Well, thanks so much for this. One thing I learned from this chat is that these types of conversations are not happening, especially with Gen Z. We're consumed to trying to prove ourselves and follow only one definition of success. If you are looking to share your thoughts and feelings with other peers, make sure to check out Tether. Unfortunately, I'm not surprised at all that it took us this long to create an online platform for men to build a community that encourages open and honest conversations. Make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.